0: What's up, y'all? This is Dan D from the Mastermind Teams Robcast here to tell you about Diablo Donuts, the best gourmet donut you'll find in the city of Baltimore. Each weekend, you can select from a multitude of unique flavors guaranteed to satisfy any craving you may have. Visit 410dough.com for more information on how you can pre order your donuts today.
1: Welcome to an all new episode of Getting to the Truth in this Art on MTR Podcasts. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Chef and Owner of Liliana, Brendan Hudson. Thank you so much. I
0: appreciate it for having me.
1: Um, so you know the way things go around here, we put people on we put people on the hot seat later in the show. So I'm gonna <laughs> say I'm gonna say that for you just just <laughs> be forewarned. I want to see you sweat a little bit. I got you. But um, I want to I want to get a, an idea of like what you're about and what your mission is. And because, you know, you can easily say chef, executive, chef, yeah. and owner, and so on. But, you know, everybody has a different version of it. So let's get your version of it, your story.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think my, you know, the catering world is such a huge pool of people that are in it. Um, you know, not only in Baltimore, but a lot of caterers, especially in this DMV area, travel from all over the place. So you're not only competing with your immediate competitors, you're competing with DC and Virginia and Delaware and that whole crowd. So um, going into it, we kind of knew, I knew that we had to carve out a niche that we could market towards our clients to show, you know, we're doing this differently than everyone else. So that's, you know, whether you like it or not, that's, that can be a deciding factor for you. Um, And so what we've kind of come to, what we've decided that that is, um, is that we create and curate, create and curate, I like to say, um, <laughs> intimately personal menus for you. So we don't have any packages or contracts or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, the, our, our next biggest priority is to make sure that you're connecting with people that you love over food. Um, so we try to make that menu and the food as personal to you as possible. So it creates, you know, that extra level of, friendliness of familiness of of whatever that feeling is that you're wanting to accomplish yeah. in your event your wedding your private dinner whatever it is um you know that's what we're there we're, that's what we're there to do we don't want to just bring food in a chafing pan drop it off call it a day you know there's no fun in that i don't have fun doing it i want to get to know you you'll probably get a little sick of me by the end of it <laughs> but you know i think it provides for a much more like well-rounded experience
1: that's that's great i mean that's something that I think often gets missed in that exchange because food, the food in my opinion is a very intimate thing. And, um, yeah, people have relationships with food. I know that I do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, am I'm, I'm not a snob, but also I know how things <laughs> should be. And I, I'm relatively adventurous with what I try. So yeah you know, I'll look through certain menus. I'm like, that's not canon or, (laughs) and and I get real, real obnoxious about it, but I, I I admire when someone is really into that craft and they just want to do the best version of it and see how it's connected to people on that emotional level. And the notion of personalizing it, I wish I knew you guys were around it because um, there have been instances where I want to impress some people like, Oh, Hey, (laughs) uh, what's up here.
0: (laughs) And I think you touched on, you know, exactly the thing that we really like to harp on is that food, like, for a lot of people evokes so many memories and emotions and, and, you know, good or bad. It, it's, it's a, it's a full, like, sensory experience, yeah. food. It. Um, and so, you know, it's always such a pleasure for me to be. A part of that experience with them, you know, me not knowing any th- these clients, not knowing them at first, but then going in and leaving feeling as if we've known each other for years. Um, that's like one of my favorite f- favorite times, favorite parts of, of the job.
1: It's definitely that, that really good like client relationship um, client and it, it, it works out. Um, so going into some of your background a little bit further, who is a chef that you admire and why?
0: Yeah. um, So I went to the Culinary Institute of America up in Hyde Park, New York, Um, and they, you know, there are a ton of chefs there um, that have experience I couldn't even begin to, you know, figure out how to have, you know, just in different countries being brought over and all this fun stuff. Um, but one chef that I've really kind of connected to is she came over to the CIA while, while I was there as a student, um, Dominique Crenn, mm-hmm. she's a chef out in San Francisco. She has, um, a Michelin star restaurant atelier Crenn, and she was one of the first female, um, chefs and restaurateurs to get a Michelin star in the U S. Wow. Um, and her whole thing is she wants you to come into the restaurant as if you're coming into her home and she wants to create. Like she wants to talk with you through the food, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And so her whole menu is written as a poem. Um, And then as soon as you come in, uh, you know, the menu's there, but she kind of treats us as like a traditional Italian Sunday dinner where you're just basically going to eat what she brings out and she's going to come out and we're all going to talk about it kind of thing. Um, And so that was, you know, me not really knowing and putting two and two together. I think my love for her and then... The niche that we've kind of gotten in this catering business, I think that's kind of how those two things connected because I saw, you know, how much she loved her craft and how well she was doing at the same time. And I love that. So I I guess subconsciously I applied that to to the catering business.
1: Again, I mean, you're you're answering all the questions the best, right way. Uh, So um, one of the key things in in getting to it, as we talked a little bit um, before I hit the the red play button or the red record button, um, what's your relationship with Baltimore? And what does it mean? And I know you touched on it a bit, but what does it mean to work within this region as well?
0: Yeah. Um, So when I was younger, my grandfather opened up uh, one of the oldest restaurants in Baltimore called Vallegius. it was in Little Italy. Um, and he ran it for 75 years, some ridiculous amount of time. Um, and when I was younger, I actually lived in the apartment above the restaurant for like the first five or six years of my life.
1: Wow. Um,
0: and so I quite literally grew up in a restaurant in (laughs) in, in Baltimore and it was one of those, like, um, it was, you know, when little Italy was like the spot to be, Mm -hmm. um, years ago and Villagios was just like one of those places where, You could come and get, you know, a white tablecloth fine dining dinner, or you could come and sit at the bar and talk to the bartender you've known for three years and just have, you know, a very nice, casual, jovial time. Um, And so I worked in the restaurant from ages like eight through 15, doing a whole slew of things. So I was like the host to start um, and then slowly but surely kind of graduated my way up to the kitchen. And then, you know, by the time I was 16, I was right there on the line with everybody else, um, which was great. And I think what kind of drew me back to Baltimore after going to school in the CIA was that there's just this sense of family in Baltimore that I haven't found somewhere else. Um, You know, a sense of everybody's very committed to caring about each other and looking out for one another, where I didn't really, you know, everybody loves New York and I love New York as well. But it just felt a little disconnected for me in terms of, that level of compassion for one another, and I think Baltimore is, you know, on another level in terms of its like support for its community and support for one another, and you know, always wanting to put other small businesses, um, you know, on on blast as much as possible to try to get get their name out, get the word out. So I was like, this seems like <laughs> the best spot for me to do what I want to do.
1: Yeah, we're we're very um, we're very loyal to who's here, and I think every now and again, we need a reminder of that. Cause uh, that's literally the crux of why I do this podcast. I was like, I like places and I've really amped up doing this podcast specifically since we've, we've been in quarantine and we've been in this whole space. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh, you know, <laughs> we should definitely do this. Cause I don't see people showing up and buying your bottle service or whatever. And maybe it, it can bring in a few sales. And so, so with that, and and got one question that's kind of related to it. I didn't really provide to you, but you can easily answer it. I think. Um, how, when since we've been in in this pandemic quarantine, this new normal, how has your business changed? How has your approach changed in your business?
0: Yeah. Um, so obviously, with um, the regulations, where at least for the first few months there were no gatherings larger than ten, 10 people allowed inside or outside. Sure. Um, and then you know 90% of the time we have more like we're catering events for more than 10 people. So, so that put a damper on pretty much every event that we had February through June. And so I was like well we can't just sit around. We have to figure something out to do because if we just sit around then you know who knows what what will happen. Um so we realized that we realized two things. Number one with everyone being home so often they're more willing and more motivated to get in their kitchen, whether or not they enjoy cooking or didn't enjoy cooking. Now they're like being forced to do it because they have the time. They can't go out to really get anything. And they're, like I said, they're more apt to kind of get in there if they weren't before. Um, And then the other thing we realized was that a lot of the times they, um, you know, different home cooks may feel nervous or intimidated by their kitchen or by certain ingredients or think, oh, I only know how to make ramen, so I'm just going to be eating ramen for a while, you know? Um, And so I was, you know, myself and my team were trying to think of how we can, um, you know, try to make some sort of business off of that through all of this. And so we've started back in May, we started doing virtual cooking classes, um, which have been great. I mean, we've been doing at least two or three a week. Um, We do at least one a week. That's free on our Facebook. Just people can hop in and hop out. Um, you know, whenever they want. And it's been great because we, you know, I I can bring someone's video feed up and if they want to show me something that either is going wrong or they don't think (laughs) it's going right or whatever the reason is, um, you know, I can be there and answer those questions in real time as opposed to, you know, some pre-recorded videos or me pre-recording a cooking class and then Them typing the comment and who knows how long it'll take somebody to get back to you that way. Um, So that's been great. And I mean, it's also been great because I'm a very social person and through all of this, it's been hard not being able to go and be social with people. Um, So that, that has also been great because I find myself, you know, sitting there at the dinner table with the video still on, just talking to everyone else that's (laughs) still in the chat room. We end up just kind of eating dinner and drinking together, um, (laughs) which is a lot of fun. I've met so many cool people doing it. Um, so that's been, you know, kind of like a saving grace for us through all of this in, in many ways, financially and mentally.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, had, um, and thank you for sharing that, Brendan. Um, I, I had a, I had a funny visual when you mentioned, uh, someone in their kitchen, they have a kind of a troubleshooting situation and I'm just imagining them covered with like Alfredo help me.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we've gotten some pretty funny, um, like for example, we did um, street tacos one night, and I was very cautious. I was telling everyone, when we're cutting these jalapenos, mm-hmm. put gloves on, or either wash your hands as soon as you're done, because the oil from the jalapenos will burn up whatever you touch afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, we had somebody mm-hmm. in the little comments in the chat box on the side saying, "Oh my god, I just touched my eyes, and I can't, and and they're on fire. What do I do?" I was like, "Okay." Bring up your video real quick so I can see if you're being dramatic or if, you know, we really need to be doing something about this. And so she was, you know, a little dramatic, but she was she was funny about it. And I was like, just go like rinse your face off, drink some milk, do what you got to do and get back in the kitchen because we have some tacos to make.
1: Absolutely. It's just like. <laughs> so, so this this actually is another one that's a little uh out there, i I checked out your, your site and I like it. It's shop, the, 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 images that are on there are well, they're inviting and it's, it's a well put together site and I, mm-hmm. I like it. And you know, so what are your thoughts around like maybe like food journalism and just people taking it, but maybe taking the pictures, but not taking the best version of it. And do you think that that's a, maybe a, a detriment to the restaurant or to the caterer or to the the chef, but it also is that double-edged sword of at least people are talking about it, but it's like someone's yeah. not taking a great quality picture of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think, especially with doing these virtual cooking classes, um, you know, obviously on my end, I kind of already have, you know, the, the dinner table set with the right things where they need to be so the photo looks put together so it matches kind of the rest of our aesthetic that we have Mm -hmm. going on on our feeds and it's always you know I always encourage every class member to take pictures of their dish and send them to me so I can see what it all looked like and I'm telling you it is hysterical to see what like just the sheer imagination that some people have in terms of their plating what it looks like you know, it's it's like that that game of telephone where like it starts off as one <laughs> word and it ends up as a completely different one. Um, but you know, I, I think it's it, I, I don't really see it as a double edged choice because number one, I'm not really going to put those pictures onto my site right. or anything like that. But I think it's great to use those pictures, like you know, on your story or on your Instagram feed to show that you're getting this interaction and like you're cultivating this kind of you know. Per personal group of people that were all kind of doing something together, even through all of this, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, the game of telephone for me, if I was in that street tacos mm-hmm. demo, you'd see a pizza. It's just like, look, this is not. Exactly.
0: Some people are making <laughs> rosadas, some people are making nachos. It's just as long as it tastes good and as long as you're having fun, I really don't care what the end product looks like. It's you like, know?
1: why is that scotch? Um, <laughs> so um, you, you touched on this a bit and maybe. Maybe, maybe if you have like a, maybe a different detail in there, um, that would be cool. But if it's already, if you've already answered it, cool. Um, What is your first memory um, of your love of cooking?
0: Yeah. um, So definitely relates back to the restaurant and kind of me growing up in that area, because especially when I was younger, um, like before being able to work five, six, seven, um, I was able, you know, spoiled going down into the restaurant for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, on the weekends and just getting, being like, oh, today I want, you know, a shrimp scambi pizza or pasta alfredo or whatever it is. Um, But so when I was younger, I was allergic to like 20 different things, chicken, tomatoes, nuts, cheese, all kinds of dairy, all that stuff, which cuts out a lot of Italian cuisine um, because all of it has fat and meat and all that good stuff. (laughs) And so my grandfather was very adamant about making sure that I didn't miss out on any of the food culture when I was younger, like just because I couldn't eat it, doesn't mean doesn't didn't mean there wasn't another substitution or another option that was just as good and just just as creative. Sure. Um, and so I'll never forget. I went down for um, dinner one day because for some reason my parents were home weren't home and my grandfather was watching us. He was just down in the restaurant. We were upstairs in the apartment. <laughs> um, and I came down and I asked my grandfather. I was like, okay, you know, what well, what should I have for dinner? because, you know, it was hard being a kid wanting to eat all these different things but knowing, you know, there's a big consequence of hives all over your body that you're going to have to pay for it. Um, So he was like, okay, well, let's do this. Let's do, since you can't have tomatoes, let's do a white pizza with mozzarella cheese. For some reason, I could eat mozzarella cheese and then we'll do like these, I don't know where he got them. They were like enormous shrimp. The, the biggest shrimp I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and we just made a pizza out of that. And that like I still remember the taste to this day of, of it. And it was just like me, I think number one, it tasted great, but number two, I think it clicked in my head that you can still make great food, even if there are restrictions or rules or regulations or whatever it is, you know, that's the beautiful thing about food is that you can take something and make it a thousand different ways to abide by whatever, you know, whatever you needed to abide by. And so I think that, you know, all of these things kind of come together to this final product, this catering company, because even, you know, today with dietary restrictions and allergies and all that stuff becoming more and more prevalent, um, I almost encourage it because it forces me to like flex my creative muscles to make something happen. Because you can always get stuck in like a routine or a rut of making the same things or, you know, not really having to exert that much effort, mental effort to do something. Mm-hmm. And so it's always fun for me when I get a couple or an individual or a family or whatever, they're like, oh, by the way, we want Asian food. It has to be vegan. And we also want it Harry Potter themed. I'm like, great, let's do <laughs> it. It'll take me a little bit to think of a menu, but we'll get to it
1: you you've just you just laid a trap for yourself so now i'm gonna i'm gonna sit <laughs> no, up no. gonna take a couple days it's a couple days i'm like all right so i need something that's anime inspired and it's just like ugh. i know it, it, it is now
0: that's a double-edged sword for real because yeah. we, we definitely do get um you know with every menu being custom to each client we get clients who are very motivated to make a very custom menu which is fine but it's just you know, like six more levels of work that are included in it.
1: Yeah. The, the, um the, the one thing that like, I'm kind of in, like my partner and I, like um we kind of have different dietary restrictions. So, you know, there may be a dish that I'm going to have that they're not going to have. There may be a, a version of it. It's like, uh, how do we make this doable yeah. for both of us? and you know keeping in these other kind of smaller restrictions like you know as a as a as a black man you know just too much sodium is not good <laughs> and you know want to be aware of that but a lot of times when you are substituting certain things then you know the you have to sneak in other things to kind of make it yeah. you know taste mm-hmm. good and make it palatable and all of that different stuff yeah. and just what you said earlier about just just almost that flexibility of, yeah, I can work with this. I can make something out of this. That yeah. that's what I like, and that's what really. It, it, it kind of it has me like, all right, I see, you. <laughs> I see you over there. I see you over there. Um, so what's so great about the food scene in Baltimore?
0: Oh, um, so I think yeah, it's a lot of things. I think it's underrated. Is it is a word I like to use often? I think there's so much creativity and so much. Um, so much happening in Baltimore at all times that more often than not, it gets looked over for many reasons. I think one of them being that it's just not a huge city. And number two, people have, you know, if you're not from Baltimore, you kind of have a preconceived notion about Baltimore. And so they just don't associate that with a good food scene. I don't think sometimes. Um, So I love when I see other chefs doing great things from Baltimore um, and really kind of pushing the boundaries like for example, um uh chef Amandola from Foraged Eatery in Hamden. Fred of the network,
1: front of the network.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think what he's doing is just insane. I love it. I think, you know, it's a concept that's right out of any big city, New York, LA, Miami. And it's great that it's happening here in Baltimore and it's drawing more eyes to Baltimore for all the right reasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, just, uh, I had this bit, like, um, I took my partner there to, you know, his spot and mm-hmm. it is when they kind of reopened, and had a little bit more seating and all of this. And, you know, just the relationship that I have with Chris and it was just really mm-hmm. great. And, yeah. you know, I told my partner's like, yeah, we're going to forage and wear mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, okay, this is the weirdest message I received today. <laughs> so yeah, but, um, definitely I call, I call Chris the shroom daddy and he's yeah. like it. Um, so, let's see. Um, do you follow trends in food, and do any of these trends excite you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know the the trends are what keeps the food scene moving it, it's you know same same thing applies for trends in fashion and trends in art. all of those things keep keep it moving. and I think if you refuse to move with the trends or if you refuse to adapt to these trends, then that's when sometimes you get left behind. Um, so, you know, we're, we're always trying to predict what's going to be next, you know, um, and trying to see what is going to be the next big thing, what's going to be popular. Um, and I think one thing that really excites me, which I never would have thought would have excited me a year ago, um, would be treating vegetables as meats. So like, for example, we, um, do this beautiful cauliflower steak where, um, you know, you treat it exactly like you would a New York strip or a ribeye. You sear it, you baste it in butter, you use garlic and and oil and rosemary and all those herbs. um, And you eat it like a steak still with a fork and knife, but it has such a different flavor complexity to it. And I never would have thought that would be something I would kind of be going for or or picking at, or even considering to have as like my, you know, my main dish for dinner or whatever it is. Um, But so that you know that specifically but i think that whole movement of people looking at vegetables and looking at not even vegetables different food ingredients differently and applying them applying different techniques to them to get you know a totally different product at the end
1: yeah oh yeah let's see i guess how we'll we'll get towards the the last portion of this little interview we have here get let's see about three questions and then the hot seat and then the hot seat comes and I turn up, bring out the matches. Um, let's see, what is your favorite dish to create?
0: Favorite dish.
1: Um, might be a tough question actually.
0: Yeah, that is a tough question. I, and I get asked, you know, whenever we're at events and stuff, that's always the client's kind of first question. Um, you know, we're like what's your favorite, what's your favorite food? What do you like to cook the most? Cause that's what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my favorite is, a very simple, traditional Northern Italian pasta dish called bucatini a la Maciccana. Um I think it's, you know, it's like the definition of Northern Italian food for me. It's like, it's simple. The ingredients speak for themselves and together it's unbeatable. So I think that would be my like chopped dish of choice to make almost, you know. Um, I just think it's so, you know, so easy. And, and you can use, you know, use great tomatoes, use a really nice dried bucatini, and then get a really nice smoked bacon or smoked pancetta or whatever it is. And really add different complexities into the dish and you can get a different result every time, yeah. um, which is one of my favorite. I mean, pasta in general for me is go-to, but specifically the Amatriciana, I think is just a winner for me
1: now now i'm kind of annoyed now i'm hungry uh this is all your fault <laughs> and i'm I,
0: well, thankfully it's almost dinner
1: <laughs> yeah and I, i'm restricting pasta right now so that makes it even worse it's oh, like cool. ah. <laughs> um so let's see um so I, I guess i'll hit you with the two and you can ask them back to back or what have you then there will be the um the baltimore questions that i had for you okay. um so how important actually describe your style your cooking style in three words and the second question would be what is your how important is a sense of humor in the kitchen okay.
0: um, my cooking style in three words i would have to say personal um, homey if that is homey a word homey
1: depends on how you spell it no it is a word
0: <laughs> traditional i guess um, and exciting I think okay. that's great to kind of encapsulate that as much as possible.
1: So if I would uh, have your food, like on a box, like one of those like tapes or what have you back in the day to VHS yeah. and just have those <laughs> three words, it's like, all right, cool. I got you. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, and then sense of humor in the kitchen. I think that is huge. And I mean, I think specifically in restaurant kitchens, you get naturally a sense of camaraderie with your other fellows and other other, other chefs and, and workers in the kitchen yeah. that is really hard to get in other lines of work just because, you know, and I see it as like, you're all going through a really stressful panic, exact anxiety field time all at the same time together. Yeah. And you're all working together to get through it as quick and efficiently and perfect as possible. And I think doing that, um, really cultures that sense of camaraderie and, and brothership and, and, and sistership, if that's a word. Sure. Uh, um you know but i think having a sense of humor and being able to you know maybe laugh at some mistakes or or not take life too seriously i think is very important because i know sometimes you know especially in the hospitality world there are many people who you know turn to different avenues that aren't healthy avenues to turn to to deal with stress or to deal with work or whatever it is so i think being able to kind of bring humor into it and bring down that stress as much as possible will help, you know, will help people from turning to those things, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. Okay. Um, and so that's one of the big things that, you know, not only I try to cultivate in when we're catering and out of bins, but one of the big things that um, up at the CAA, they taught us, you know, they were obviously very strict and very role oriented. Sure. But at the same time, they wanted you to know that, you know, nothing you do will be life Change or or not life changing will be life ending or or worthy of any major you know catastrophe you know so you're going to make mistakes you're going to learn from them you're going to have wins you're going to have loses losses (laughs) you're going to have highs you're going to have lows all of those things you know you just have to take it roll with the punches and just you know enjoy it while you have it
1: that that sounded almost like the trailer for this Bradley Cooper movie called Burns, where he's playing the chef. Sometimes <laughs> you're going to burn things. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's what that's that's absolutely like right. And I think that is a notion maybe taking out of the kitchen to apply to just life mm-hmm. in general. Because um, you know, I, I work in data and regular day to day life, and it's it's a fair amount of stress when it comes to it, getting stuff right and processing mm-hmm. data and so on, and I think just coming to this realization at times that eh, you can always undo that. You can always clean that up and anything that you can break, you can fix. And yeah, that's how that goes.
0: Yeah. One of my best friends always says it's never that serious. (laughs) So So I never try to take anything too seriously because it's, you know, not that it's a waste of time, but you know, you you only have X amount of time to do what you want to do on this planet with your life, whatever it is. So don't, you know, don't waste, try not to waste any of it or do your best not to waste any of it, worrying about things either you can't change or you can't undo. Just move forward from it. Do your best in your next attempt or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now is the time where most people hate me. Not really. Uh, <laughs> so I have some Baltimore questions. This is almost that Baltimore, let's check your let's check your Baltimore card kind of questions. Oh, so there are three questions, um, and then there will be an opportunity for some shameless plug from you, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. First question, what is your perfect Baltimore meal?
0: Oh, that's a perfect Baltimore meal. Okay. Uh. Um, am I allowed to have two or do I have to get one? You can have two. Okay. All right. Then I have two. And they're both on opposite ends of the spectrum. All right. Um, one would be, I think, if I could go to Petit Louis in Roland Park every day, <laughs> I will go to Petit Louis every day. I think it's just that perfect mix of casual and great food and great wine and great cocktails and the environment and the ambiance I think is spot on. And I think it's just one of the places I go to decompress and just relax where I know I'm going to enjoy everything and have a great time and, you know, be, just be my best self essentially (laughs) in in there. Um, So that would be kind of be my first best meal. And then my second would have to be um, margaritas and tacos from Okay. I think would be my number two. I just, you know, it's one of those things where it's just good food and you're not like, you're just there, you're in jeans and sandals and a t-shirt and you're not worrying about anything. You're not doing anything super important. You're just there to eat as many tacos as you can eat and drink as many margaritas as you can get down.
1: Absolutely. They have a delicious (laughs) margarita and I get very spizzy when I drink it. Um, (laughs) okay. Um, Hmm. I think I'll ask the last one first. Uh favorite area in Baltimore, favorite neighborhood area, monument, whatever, but favorite yeah. like landmark in Baltimore.
0: Um, I think my favorite area would have to be Handon. Um I think they are kind of, you know, still coming up as a new epicenter in Baltimore in terms of food and culture and art and trends and everything. And I think it's just so lively down there, mm-hmm. um, you know, not as of recently, obviously, but when everything's open and people are on the sidewalk and restaurants are blaring and all that stuff, I just think it's, you know, it doesn't really even feel like it's real at some point, you know, it's just, there's always something going on at every inch of that street. Um, so I think that. You know, and that's always my first go-to spot when someone asks, you know, we don't really have plans, but we want to go somewhere and we'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah. That's always kind of like my first suggestion.
1: Okay. It's funny you mentioned Hamden. There is a um, a snowball place there, which brings me to my final question. See, has a segue right there as a, <laughs> as a seasoned podcaster. Um, what is your favorite snowball flavor?
0: Oh, favorite snowball flavor. And it's funny you ask real quick. My partner is from Florida uh-huh. and he is... Um, very confused as to why Marylanders love ice so much <laughs> um, he doesn't understand it he doesn't get why it's such a big thing and I don't understand why he doesn't understand it basically
1: just confusion um, across the board there it's just like yeah
0: just all kinds of confusion <laughs> but I think my go-to snowball flavor is egg custard Like just old fashioned egg custard.
1: You win, you win, you get it, you get it.
0: (laughs) Like I love trying the new flavors. And I think, you know, especially when a place is doing like a boozy snowball, I think that's great as well. (laughs) But when I, you know, when I just want a good snowball and I know the flavor is going to be same no matter where I go, hopefully egg custard is always my my go-to.
1: Yeah, some places do a deconstructed play on egg <laughs> custard. It's like, ugh, how do you do like, that? just
0: give me ice with a ton of syrup inside of it. That's all I want.
1: Yeah, the the, the wave <laughs> that I've been on is um because I stumbled into, because back in the day, we used to sew snowballs in, in my family. That's oh, one right. of the summer things we used to do. And I was like, I didn't like orange as a color, so I was like, yeah let me get that blue and it was never really a flavor per se and it's like or it had like the superhero names that's batman it's like yeah 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 so um as an adult it's kind of like i stumbled into how delicious egg custard is and now i kind of put a little bit of my own version to it it's Mm -hmm. like half egg custard half coconut let's do it let's make it happen
0: there you go that's like that's like almost like some kind of pina colada Mm -hmm. snowball i want to say
1: absolutely so that's all the questions I have, and we'll take the last few minutes. Um, anything that you want to plug, anything that you have coming up, um, your website, anything that you want to put out there, and that'll be that.
0: Yeah, um, I think the only the, – the biggest thing right now is that sign up for one of our virtual cooking classes. Um, we do – you know, it's two options. We do a free one on Facebook. We try to do one once a week on our Facebook page. Or you can go ahead and submit a um, – like a lead, a, a catering – some catering request on our website and just put in the notes that you want to do a virtual cooking class. Um, and I would love to set something up with with whoever you are out there.
1: And and what's that website again?
0: Um, so it's www.liliana.com and it's L I L I A H N A.com. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I'm definitely going to check out when's your next, um, Facebook live one or what have you, and then may, may hit you
0: guys up for some, uh, some food soon. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to try to do our next cooking class next Tuesday okay. on Facebook. Um, but again, as long as you, you know, you can go into the website and sign up for a mailing list or just like us on Facebook. And I'll be bothering you a few days prior, just reminding you that it's happening.
1: That sounds good. So um, that's all I have. So I'm gonna do my sign off and go from there. Um, mm-hmm. So for Brendan Hudson from Liliana Catering. I'm Rob Lee uh, for Getting to the Truth in This Art, and I'm saying there's art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.